This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. I'm recording this on Monday, August 14th, just two days separated from one of the ugliest days of an already ugly period of American history. Over the weekend, Nazis and white supremacists took took to the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, to defend a statue of Robert E. Lee, the general charged with leading the Confederacy, that splinter faction of secessionist states that sought to preserve a way of life that was in fact a shameful, centuries-long way of death, built upon the broken and enslaved bodies of African Americans. These Nazis, white supremacists, and homegrown terrorists, who yes, kind of look like idiots with their tiki torches, walked around draped in ammo and armor with no hoods to cover their faces with military-grade rifles, and they were not laid low and killed like Tamir Rice, who was 12, and playing with a toy. These white supremacists, Nazis, and terrorists fought counter-protesters, and one coward took the life of a brave woman, Heather Heyer, by intentionally ramming his vehicle into a crowd of people. I have no idea how to properly respond to this. I have no idea what the role this show should have in it. I'm not a clergyman, and I don't represent a church. If anything, I am at once both a critic of and a participant within the church, and through this show, I've sought to validate, center, and emphasize the voices of those traumatized at the hands of religious people and institutions. Early on in the course of the show, I published an essay on the website exvangelicalpodcast.com with the title The Most Christ-like Thing for a Cis, Hetero, White Christian Man to Do with His Power is to, abdic- is to Abdicate It. I still stand by that. Here are some excerpts from that essay. By birth, I'm a cis, hetero, white man. By choice, I'm a Christian. I see a lot of people that look like me angry about their lot in life right now. And I know that these feelings rise up every four years or so in everyone because of the presidential election, but that doesn't make it any easier to see. I don't often think about the cis, hetero, white, male part of my identity and part of my privilege is that I don't have to. Those parts of my identity are not under attack by anyone. My body is not in danger due to prejudices against my skin or my sexuality or my gender. But I do think a lot about that last identifier, the Christian one. I think about that a lot. And it's that identifier that helps me understand what I'm supposed to do with all that privilege I take for granted. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to give it up. And why? Because it's quite literally what Jesus would do. Now, at this point in the essay, I go on to quote the Philippian hymn, which is Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Go look it up. I'm not going to read it here, but I recommend it. It may be one of the few times I explicitly mention (laughs) or recommend reading the Bible on the show. But I talk about what that means to me, and this is where I I go on, Um, still quoting the essay here. I know that these things are easy to say. Come on, let's be but come on, let's be practical. What does giving up privilege really look like? And here are some ideas I've had. 
Don't expect the world to owe you anything for being male or white or Christian. Don't expect your opinion to matter, quote, more than anyone else's. Respect other people. Stand up for other people's right to voice their opinions and perspectives. Lend them support, but don't try and talk for them. Shut up and listen. Pay attention. Be like Christ and find a way to serve people. So white, cis, hetero, Christian men like me still have a lot of power and privilege in this world, and we can feel it waning as the power becomes more evenly distributed. And that's a good thing. That's what I said. That's what I said in the essay. And I ended the essay by saying, the Christ-like thing is to give the rest of that power up of our own volition. And that's definitely not what was on display in Charlottesville. But within that essay, I still believe what I wrote in that essay. And through the show, I've sought to emulate that. Around 30% of my guests have been LGBTQ, and I'm just a few episodes away from having a 50-50 gender parity. But one way in which I have failed has been in regards to race and how that factors into the lives of my guests. The majority of my guests have been white. When I've had persons of color on the show, I've not been entirely confident in how to address racial matters. This was evident in my conversation with Dr. Keisha McKenzie and other and at other times with guests such as Verdell Wright and Crystal Cheatham. And I did a better job of addressing it through my questions there, but still it was just a matter of um, not knowing how to properly engage in that conversation. And I still feel ill-equipped. I have a few concerns rattling in my head. The first is one that Broderick Greer mentioned a while ago on Twitter, which is that often people of color are only invited onto shows to talk about race and how it impacts them, as if racism was the whole sum of their story. And he was specifically talking about the sort of area that this show lives in, which is that sort of progressive Christian, progressive spiritual, whatever you might say, um, podcast space that's been blossoming over the last blossoming over the last couple of years. The second is that I don't want or expect others to do what I've heard uh, the Reverend Dr. Andre Johnson say on Broderick Greer's podcast, Theology Live, what he calls white people's work. I don't expect people of color to absolve my sense of guilt or shame. That's emotional manipulation. And the same sentiment has been sort of expressed as in the way of uh, getting our family in check, of which I also agree with wholeheartedly. The community, Dr. Johnson's, Reverend Dr. Johnson's um, comments were in relation to the white church and their silence in different times um, when they should not have been silent. Um, and I agree with both of those sentiments. But finally, I don't want even the slightest hint at appropriation. I, don't, I want conversation, but not appropriation. I want to do my small part in lifting up the voices that should be heard and let them speak on their own. Often I've asked my guests about their experiences with purity culture, 
that's in a way become a standard question. I'm going to start asking my guests about their experiences of racism and racial systems as well. I have not served this audience well in this regard, and I intend to correct that. Today, I, uh, I attended a vigil. It included what I consider a really wonderful piece of liturgy called a litany for those who aren't ready for healing. It began, let us know, um, excuse me, it began, let us not rush to the language of healing before understanding the fullness of the injury and the depth of the wound. Let us not rush to offer a band-aid when the gaping wound requires surgery and complete reconstruction. It goes on, but then it concludes, let us not value a false peace over a righteous justice. Let us not be afraid to sit with the ugliness, the messiness, and the pain that is life and community together. I'm filled with grief and sorrow for the African Americans and people of color who saw white privilege and racism and violence play out in such awful fashion this weekend. And for them to see a president take 48 hours to respond with a written statement that was clear he did not feel the conviction of. I don't know where we go from here, but failure to acknowledge what just happened would be a damnable tragedy. Failure to adjust to this reality of hatred is unconscionable. Failure to condemn it, to reject it, to rebuke it, to state clearly and consistently that racism has no rightful place in the hearts of people, and to expect me and other white people like me to do our share is impossible. Not <laughs> Failure to not ask people like me to do something would be impossible. I'm not ready to rush into anything to talk about healing or some forced rhetoric. I'm going to link in the show notes to some amazing things I've read over the weekend and today. And really, what I really want is I want to hear from you. Tell me what you think. Where do we go from here? How do you think this show and the community that's begun on Facebook and elsewhere can help facilitate something productive at the very least. Please reach out. You can email me at contact at evangelicalpodcast.com. You can leave a call in via the Anchor app. My feed on Anchor is EXV Extras. You can also join the face group and enter into dialogue with me and the rest of the evangelical community there. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at BRChastain and use the hashtag where do we go from here to discuss this there. I'm going to leave you with a sample of a song by Mavis Staples, a Chicago legend, and this song has been rattling in my head the last two days. I don't know where we go from here, but... <sighs> Failure to address this in a major way just, I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine not addressing this. So please, 
help me find the right way to do that for you. And for those of you that have been hurt by racism within the church, if you have a story to tell, contact me. Um, I'm not sure where we go. Sick and tired of feeling sick and tired of They say heaven help us They say my words might get me fired They say heaven help us What a terrifying time to raise our voices They say heaven help us But see I'm not left with many more choices They say heaven help us I gotta put it into action Action Doing it A to Z Until I set myself free I don't care if you refuse to see Action, action Consider this a sign of an emergency Action, action Who's gonna do it if I don't?